Yo, 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 what's going on, everybody? Hi, I'm Uncle Doug, and welcome to the Oxenities Podcast. <laughs> yeah! This is episode five, and we're continuing along the theme of Black History Month with this week's installment focusing on perception. How do we view ourselves? How do others view us? And what do we need to do to change the negative narrative that is sometimes associated with black people? Now, I'm going to be talking about a lot of stuff this week, so unfortunately there will be no news. And also, I don't have a guest, so I'm flying solo on this one. But quick shout out to Wayne for all his help and input on last week's episode. He added a nice change of pace to the podcast, and I really want to say thank you. I appreciate it. Now, let me say this before we get started. At the end of this episode, I don't want you guys to think that I hate white people or Asians or Hispanics or any other race or creed because fundamentally I love people. And that's like point blank period. I love people. But I got to be honest, I'm a little bit biased towards the black race because I am black. And I don't want you guys to think, oh my God, he hates. I don't. I don't. But I think fundamentally the black stock is low. And I feel like there's some elephant in the room topics that we need to talk about. So let's get right into it after this quick clip. Most people who get rich don't get rich in a lifetime. Oprah, that's once in a while. Bill Gates, that's once in a while. Most people are intergenerational wealth. That means what? That if black people want to catch up, we have to start saving wealth and passing it to the next generation. Our biggest problem ain't that we're splurging. Is that every time we splurge, we're stealing from our descendants. You're giving them no inheritance to get started with. But the white child, they're starting out $100,000 plus, a million million dollars plus. And I think we have to become more strategic in the way that we do our health plans as well as our life insurance plans. Because what I'm learning with a lot of these white folk, a lot of them are getting their first, uh, uh, what you want to call a shock of wealth, through the life insurance policy of their parents. We we, we talk about that too, the life insurance policy. So there's so many different strategies towards wealth that we're not even thinking about because black people, our selfishness, It's also based on our, what you want to call it, emergency consciousness, survival instinct. We're only worrying about our life. We do not think about those who come after us. Now, you got to realize now, when we got out of slavery, white folks been already building wealth for a couple centuries. We started behind the eight ball, okay? So you got to play catch up. How do you catch up with somebody who's 100 yards in front of you? You have to run faster than they are. That means we have to sacrifice our spending habits more than everyone else in order to catch up. How does a people who are at the bottom waste money more than people who are at the top? So not only are you not catching up, you're not even thinking about it, trying to catch up. Okay guys, welcome back. That was Dr. Umar Johnson speaking on the Good Twin Bad Twin YouTube channel hosted by Calden and Alden Hopkins. Now, Dr. Johnson is a doctor of clinical psychology and certified school psychologist who specializes in working with the parents of African-American children who receive special education and are diagnosed with disruptive behavior disorder. He's also a author 
of the Psycho-Academic Holocaust, the Special Education and ADHD War Against Black Boys. Now, Dr. Johnson is somewhat of a controversial figure. He speaks a lot about racial separation, if that makes any sense. Fundamentally, he, in, in his perfect world, he would like black children to go to predominantly black schools, to not mix with the white race or fundamentally any other race because he believes that they are, they fundamentally dilute our race. I'm not really in agreement with that. But with this statement that he made about wealth, in the black community. Oh, I wholeheartedly follow along with that because I feel like that is one of the few major issues that we have in the black community. Now, it's there is no one, six, or 18 specific issues that we have because I believe that it's a myriad of issues. But today I'm only going to focusing on disparity of wealth, lack of cultural ownership, inability to care long term, because we do care, but we fundamentally don't care long term. We have a very short attention span when it comes to black rights, and I want to talk on that. Also, our forgetful nature, that's another heated contention that I that that I have and after all of this I'm gonna try my best to provide solutions that I believe based on my own thought of what we can do to solve this okay let's get into it so disparity of wealth the Oxford dictionary defines wealth as an abundance of valuable possessions or money, right? In the black community, that is very skewed based on the person and their perception of what wealth is, right? You could have a large collection of makeup and view that as a valuable possession, but fundamentally does that further you? Does that push you forward? I'm not talking about, you know, if you're a makeup artist, obviously, yeah, that's your profession, but I'm talking about just buying makeup, buying wigs, buying new sneakers, buying rims for your Escalade or whatever. It, 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 it's, it's the fundamental thought of what we view wealth as. And the problem that I have with that is, for one, in the black community, we don't keep our money in the community. We don't circulate it in the community. We take our money and we spend it except for with our own people. For example, a lot of ladies out there would probably want to get a weave. Nothing wrong with that. Be your best self. Look as beautiful and as cute as you want to look, boo-boo. That's on you. But where do we buy our weaves? A weave is fundamentally a black thing. It's a black idea. When you think weave, you don't think Becky. You think Tajere. That's a very horrible name. But you get the thought that I'm trying to get. 
But where do we buy most of our weaves? Fundamentally, most places that black women buy their weaves are from the Asians because they have it cheaper or the Brazilians because of the quality that they have. But we don't buy our weaves, our weaves, which is fundamentally a black owned thing from blacks. We spend it in other places. Not only that, but when you think about money, where do we put our money? Where do we invest our money? Fundamentally in white banks, Arabic banks, banks that are owned by huge conglomerates that aren't functionally black. We don't put our money in black owned banks. And even if you go back to different African countries, most of the banks that are there are white owned banks. And that's a problem. We're not investing in our own people. We're, 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 it, it could be a, a, a issue with uh, trust or an issue with the fact that, you know, you know that white people are more dependable or whatever the case is, but that's an issue. That's an issue that needs to be addressed. Not only that, but even if, let's say there's a black woman or a black man that they make it, you know, they, their artwork gets picked up. They successfully get their bachelor's degree and they are working on their masters to like further themselves. And they got a nice job and a good car and a good woman and all of this and a good man or whatever the case is. And they move out of the hood fundamentally the second they move out that's it they're done it's over with there's no looking back there's no going back they're done with it and they don't bring anything back in the majority don't put money back in the community that they left they keep their money outside they put their money in other organizations you know what i mean and it's 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 pretty sad it's pretty sad that we can't invest our money in our own avenues, our own place that we came from, the place that built us, the place that made us into the kind of people that we are. And that's another thing that's slowly killing us. When you think of an Asian community, think of how many people live in that community. Think of how many people live in that one same household or even a hispanic community you go into a asian restaurant there's an asian waiter there's an asian host there's an asian manager there's multiple asian cooks they keep themselves together they keep their whole family together if they have to hispanics too same deal black people are the only people that separate themselves after they've reached a certain level of wealth you know we often have our entourages and all of that stuff but what exactly are they doing what is their purpose it's not on it's not only the fact that when we leave we don't bring anything back it's also if we do go back if they if if, if one of those individuals that moved out 
got their um got their house in some suburb that has a majority white families living in that suburb if they do go back to the hood what do they go back for to build up something with social media involved they buy somebody a house or they buy somebody a car or they build a or they fix a road or something it's usually with a news crew it's usually with some kind of uh, Facebook or Instagram or Twitter accompaniment. But then as soon as they're done with that, what they do? They drive back to their home or mansion in their white suburb and they eat filet mignon served by their French butler. No more pig feet. You know, no more ham hocks. Nah, they're done with that. They've made it. They've made it. They, they don't need to look back. They don't need to think back anymore. And it's something that's hurting our community. Slowly hurting the community. Because it's teaching that your goal as the downtrodden, your goal as the person that's in the hood, that's in the cut, that's suffering, that needs to get out, that's what you need to do. You need to get out. You don't need to stay and build. You need to get out. You need to leave as quickly as possible because this is the only way you'll make it. And that's what we're teaching our people when we do that. I am not a rich man. I'm not going to say that I'm poor either. I'm surviving fundamentally paycheck to paycheck, but still I'm surviving, you know, got a, a smidge of money in savings a smidge. Can't really say that it helps me much less to help other people. But I feel like if we are going to grow as a people, I need to invest in my people. I'm Jamaican. If y'all didn't know that. So I got to invest in the Jamaican diaspora. And I'd love to do that. I'm just broke. So hopefully this whole podcast thing picks up and, uh, you know, I, I can do that. But still, it, it's it's the fundamental idea that we don't want to go back to where we came from. And that's not... That's a, I'm not trying to say, you know, go backwards or look backwards, but if you have my mom, my mom, the wonderful woman, she would go into the kitchen and she'd look at everything that's in the fridge. And I'm sure some of y'all have moms that are just like this, that she'd see like a tin of mackerel, some onions, uh, green pepper, maybe a small cup of rice and some whatever. And she'd take that and mix it into something truly amazing and make an incredible meal. We could do that in the black community. Take the things that we have, take the people that we have, mix them together and create something truly great. We have some strong 
powerful, independent, knowledgeable people, and we don't utilize them. We choose to utilize other people because, you know, uh, I mean, I love black people, but I hate niggas. I'd love to work with black people, but I'd never like to hire a nigger. And it's, it's, it's stuff like that. It's the mentality of that that slowly, like, hurts us. It kills us. No other race does this. And it, it, it's the thing that boggles my mind. But, you know, th- there's also the other aspect of money when it comes to church. I know this is, this this will probably cause some issue with most people, but I've, I was never one. I was never a part of the idea of giving God's money to the church because you're, you're not, you're not God. You're not. And where is my money going? You want me to invest my money on blind faith, knowing that this money is going to go back to the community, but I don't see it happening. You know, I don't see every now and again, there might be like food drives and, and I don't want to like go on a church bashing rant because I believe that the church has a very strong meaning to the community and we need churches in the community. I would just feel like if there were more churches investing in their community that they're in instead of trying to re-drenchify the community building this and building that to like bring in more outside people and slowly force the 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 people that are inside let me not let me not even go down this road because this is a whole nother topic that i need to get on but basically Disparity of wealth is one thing that holds us back. And I think that needs to stop. That stops, we can definitely build ourselves up and move ourselves forward. As Dr. Johnson said, wealth isn't just built in a lifetime. Most people don't achieve great wealth in one specific lifetime. You got to build it. But we don't, we don't, majority of black people don't save money for their their kids' college tuition. On one hand, it's because they don't have it. So I'll, I'll attest to that. I'll own up to that. On one hand, yeah, they're struggling. They're in really bad situations that they're trying to come out of. They're trying to dig themselves out of. So how could they scratch any kind of money to give to their children? But still the ones that can, they don't, they focus more on their kids, I guess, looks and appearances. They focus more on, um, if you have a 12 year old son and you're buying him Jordans, you're an idiot. I'm going to be honest with you. You're an absolute idiot. If you got it like that, their college tuition is already saved and paid up. They got an extra 100K in the bank after college for them. Fine. Buy them whatever you want. But if you are just a regular average Joe, why are you buying your kid 
Jordans for what? So they can stunt on other kids at school? No. Within three months, they're going to outgrow it. Buy them some Skechers and let them deal with it. And if they are in a situation where they're dealing with friends that want to dress cool and want to look cool and they look down on them because they don't, then those aren't the friends that your kid needs to have. And you need to instill that mentality in them. But we're getting off topic. The next thing I want to focus on is the lack of cultural ownership. That's a biggie. While other cultures keep their people close to the vest, we're the only ones that separate. We're the only ones that branch off from each other for whatever reason. Hispanics will have multiple generations living in the same household. Maybe it's not, you know, always a choice of necessity, but fundamentally those generations are passing down very vital cultural values and ideals to the lower generation that they can't get from anywhere else. They can't learn that on TV. But for us, what do we do? We 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 separate ourselves. We separate ourselves from our own families, our own people simply because we want to belong we 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 don't feel comfortable in our own skin with our own people and that's a problem we don't respect ourselves enough but we have greater respect for other races and other people we lack pride when we when we were slaves And we were given slop and the leftovers by our slave masters. We made them into four course meals. And over generations, we developed a palate, a rich palate filled with bountiful tastes and spices and herbs. But now we stray away from that. We stray away from our cultural delicacies And fundamentally, we won't even be able to pass these on to our kids later on down the road because we're not even proud of our culture enough that it becomes culturally gentrified, beautified in a different way. Oh, let's not eat pig feet. Let's eat pork chop. Let's not eat oxtail. Let's eat brisket. You know? And stuff like this, it, 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 it's, it's, it's hurting us more than we even imagine. You think that, you know what, you're adding culture to your children's lives. You're giving them culture. You're teaching them culture. That's perfectly fine. I would love to eventually one day teach my kids about Greek or French or Japanese cuisine. I love that. But at the same time, they're going to know about some oxtail. They're going to know about curry goat. They're going to know about roti. 
all of these things that I used to eat when I was a kid. They got to know about it. I'll be damned if my kids don't know, experience, or understand the culture that I'm from and my wife or their future mother is from. You know what I mean? Because that's what's going to eventually build them into a better person by knowing their past to focus and push them forward towards the future. That's the thing that they need. They got to know where they come from. A lot of times people don't understand the past, so they can't really focus on the future. They can't know, you know, am I making a right decision? Am I doing it wrong? Has this been done before? They don't know because they don't have any foundation. They're working off of a ideal or a, a, a idealism that you added to them because I don't want you to be like me. I want you to be better than me. So I want you to go to museums and I want you to like look at art. Okay, that's fine. But you seem to not understand how powerful the human brain is. That it doesn't have to just know one thing. There are people out there that know seven different languages. Seven. In depth. With all the slangs and everything. The human brain can accomplish a lot. So don't hold your kids back. Teach them. Teach them everything. And if you don't know, don't be ashamed to ask. Ask your grandparents. Ask your parents. Send them on, send them to wherever you're from for a weekend or for a week to soak up that atmosphere if you're unable to go. We got to help and build our culture. A lot of people want to stray away from the culture because, oh, the culture's tainted or, oh, it's not culturally relevant or it's not this or whatever. But these are the things that made us. You are who you are today because of your past. Your past warped and changed you into the person that you are right now. So why shun your child away from that? Why allow them that ability to grow as you did? Fundamentally, that's just selfish. I got to be honest with you. Next thing I want to look at is the inability to care long term. And I want to highlight that long term. Okay. The long term factor is the key thing to take away from this. Because. Okay, when something happens, we post about it. We talk about it. We share it. We have a discussion. We try to figure out what happened, what went wrong. What can we do as a people to make sure that this never happens again? We may even go to a rally or join a protest. But a few weeks, a few months, a few days later... It's old news. Beyonce, Drake, or the Migos could post something, post a new album, post a new picture, do something, whatever. 
And that will become front page news on our timelines. And we forget. We forget about what happens. And then down the road, it may pop up again. You know, the anniversary of something happening or you may see an old post. And then the thought will pop back in our heads as, huh, okay, yeah, I do remember that. Whatever happened with that? That right there, that, that specific thing right there is a problem in the black community. Our ability to care for a long period of time. We have a short attention span. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a flaw that we have. And I'll, I'll, I'll be one to admit to it. I remember when there were all of these things going on and eventually with all the shootings and all the killings and everything, eventually I was just like, ugh, can this just stop? Because it's just sad and depressing. And that was wrong of me. Sad and depressing were the emotions that I should have felt and used that emotion to help to build something. Join a rally, join a protest, join a movement and do something about it. But I never did. We, we are, we're easily lulled into a false sense of security. And it's often hard to get us back on the task at hand. Because we want to live our lives. We want to move on. It's human nature. It's just like, ah, all of this depressing stuff, all of this sad stuff is just taking me down. I don't want to hear it anymore. But in that same breath, we're willing to stand in line for hours at a time for some new Fenty Beauty or new J's. But at the same time, we're not willing to call our congressman and tell him that, listen, this stuff that's going on, you need to fix it. You need to get this stuff together. You need to get it together. We're just like, eh, call my congressman. What do I have to do there? Like, do I have to like figure out the, I got to figure out what district I live in. And then I got to figure out like his phone number and then call and speak to his secretary and uh See that's hard. But standing in line in the snow for 4 hours that's fine. We can do that. Black Friday? We can do that. Oh, do not come between a black person and Black Friday. You finna get a black eye. If you know what I mean. But to stand up for ourselves, to speak what's in our hearts and in our minds when we feel the emotion, we can't do that. Can't do it. I don't know why. Don't know. But black people are some of the most talented, phenomenal, spectacular people on the planet. But for whatever reason, we act like we are second-class citizens, third-class citizens at times. And that's just ridiculous. Tired of it. I'm one of them. I need to 
do better. I need to make myself better. So I guess this is kind of me like calling myself to action. Setting myself out there on an action plan to do something. Because it's it's just... It's just aggravating. I want to read something for you guys. I want to remind you of something. Just to jog your memory real quick on what is happening and what we're what we need to start fighting for. So I took down a list of well all the all the major shootings that happened between 2014 and 2016. But you know what? Before I get to that, let me just say this. We're approaching the six-year anniversary of Trayvon Martin's death. He was a 17-year-old black teenager that was fatally shot and killed by then 28-year-old George Zimmerman on February 26, 2012. Zimmerman was acquitted of all charges on July 13th, 2013. There was a massive outcry for justice. The nation questioned the justice system. There were marches and protests, but where exactly are we now? What changes were made to the system? What new law was introduced to ensure that this would never happen again? If you're wondering, the answer is, well, none. Nothing happened. Nothing changed. Since then, there have been more shootings of unarmed black people recorded because, you know, it's happening. But these are the ones that are getting mass media coverage. Now, these aren't the ones that are happening by random people these are happening by the police who took an oath to protect and serve they should be protecting us but instead they're slowly killing us L- let me let me just let me just remind you guys real quick april 30th 2014 Dontre hamilton of milwaukee 31 was fatally shot 14 times by a police officer in a milwaukee park The officer was responding to a call from employees at a nearby Starbucks alleging that Hamilton, who has been diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia, was disturbing the peace. The officer who arrived first determined that Hamilton wasn't doing anything illegal. Officer Christopher Manny showed up later and after trying to pat Hamilton down, Engage in a struggle with him that led to the shooting. Manny was not charged. July 17, 2014. Eric Garner, New York. 43. Was killed after he was put in an illegal chokehold for 15 seconds by a white police officer. Allegedly for selling loose cigarettes. 
Garner said, I can't breathe, 11 times, as he was held down by several officers on a sidewalk. The officer who put Garner in a chokehold, Daniel Pantaleo, was not charged. Michael Brown Jr., August 9th, 2014, Ferguson, Missouri. Michael Brown, 18, was shot and killed by Ferguson police Darren Wilson. In November of that year, a grand jury declined to charge Wilson in the fatal shooting. Brown's death and the lack of charges against Wilson sparked protests, some of them violent, in Ferguson and across the nation. On March 4, 2015, the Department of Justice announced that it too would not charge Wilson for the shooting after an exhaustive investigation. August 11, 2014, Edsel Ford, Florence, California. August 12, 2014, Dante Parker, Victorville, California. November 13, 2014, Tanisha Anderson, Cleveland. November 20th, 2014, Akai Gurley, Brooklyn, New York. November 22nd, 2014, Tamir Rice, Cleveland. December 2nd, 2014, Romain Brisbane, Phoenix. December 30th, 2014, Jermaine Reed, Brighton, New Jersey. March 6, 2015, Tony Robinson, Madison, Wisconsin. March 31, 2015, Philip White, Vineland, New Jersey. April 2, 2015, Eric Harris. Tulsa, Oklahoma. April 4th, 2015. Walter Scott, North Charleston, South Carolina. April 19th, 2015. Freddie Gray, Baltimore. July 6th, 2016. Philando Castile, Falcon Heights, Minnesota. Castile was shot and killed by Geronimo Yanez, a St. Anthony, Minnesota police officer, after being pulled over in Falcon Heights, a suburb of St. Paul. Castile was in the car with his girlfriend, Diamond Reynolds, and her four-year-old daughter when he was pulled over by Yanez and another officer. According to the police dash cam, video and audio, after being asked for his license and registration, Castile told the officer he had a handgun, to which the officer replied, don't reach for it then. After saying, don't pull it out twice, the officer shot at Castile seven times. Reynolds' testimony was that Castile 
was shot while reaching for his ID after telling Yanez he was armed. Hmm. Oftentimes when I read or when, when, when I think about that, that that right there, that was the one that I don't know if you guys remember that she was on Facebook Live with her daughter in the back seat after they had shot Philando. I got to be honest, this one, that story right there hit me, hit me hard. Oh, hit me real hard. I felt for the first time living here in America, I felt scared. And I'm not a tiny man, but I felt terrified. I felt scared for myself. I felt scared for my friends. And that's just not the way for us to live. I, 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 I just got to stop here because if I talk about any anyone else, it's going to hurt too much. And I, I just don't want to go through that again. But we have a policing issue. It's very clear. Now, it may be lack of training. It may be lack of counseling. It may be a lack of community integration or partnerships. Regardless of what the fact is, all of these issues need to be looked at. At the end of the day, as black versus blue. They have a perception on us, maybe from TV or social media or from the bad eggs that we do have in our community. We are then labeled by all of them as that, that we are all bad. No matter who you are, no matter what you are, no matter what you look like, your label is bad. And it's fundamentally because the black stock is down. If black was traded on the stock market, your financial advisor would tell you stay away from that because it's tainted. Now, don't get me wrong. We do have certain moments of growth. The invention of hip-hop, for example. That was a biggie for us. The rise of Oprah Winfrey. Huge. The first ever black president that served two terms. Black was at an all-time high. But our market share doesn't stay up. It often plummets. And it sucks. So I came up with these five-point action plan that I think could help us get back on track. Now, this is all my opinion, and you may have a different outlook on the topic. So before you shoot it all down, please listen and hit me up on social media. Let's talk it out. Let's figure it out. Let's see if we could come to a common ground and start a discussion into getting this whole deal figured out. Because I'd love to hear what you guys have to say, honestly. I believe that there are some very smart and intelligent people out there in the world. And more collaboration will just further our goal as a human race to be better. I wrote it down. There we go. Okay, first things first. This is what needs to happen. One, 
we need to love again. And love unconditionally. Love hip-hop. Love baggy jeans. Love weave. Love. We don't love ourselves or our people. We love other races more than we love ourselves. And we constantly try to change ourselves. Constantly try to adapt to different cultures. That's fundamentally what we're missing. We're missing love from the equation. And we need to get it back. The next thing, trust. Trust. Trust our people and let them feel like we trust them. Now, yeah, we've been burnt by our own people, sure. And there's definitely animosity towards them. But we have developed a mentality of, I'll forgive you, but I'll never forget. And that's not truly forgiving someone. We need to forgive the ones who have turned their back on us. Forgive the ones who have done us wrong. Forgive them and let them feel forgiven. Then that'll eventually help them to forgive themselves and help them to get over whatever issue they caused and trust our people. Because without trust, then then love can't really exist, to be honest. Next thing that I feel we definitely need to invest. We need to buy black and we need to employ black. We're often too quick to buy or hire outside of our race. Not saying that we should only invest in black people, but invest, period. That's it. Invest in our stock. Build our stock up. And that takes me into the next part, which is support. Stand by our people. Show them that you're there for them. We're often too quick to turn our backs on our own kind. He's a gangbanger. He's a thief. There goes another black man messing with a white chick. What? You need to isolate the reason for their actions and hold them down. Isolate the reason why this person's a gangbanger. Is he doing it because he really likes guns and he really likes robbing people? Like he gets super excited by it? Or is he doing it because he doesn't fundamentally have any other way to get out? Any. Not trying to condone his actions, but still. Is this person stealing because they really love jimmying car doors? Like it really excites them. They love it. Are they doing it because their kids at home sick and they need medicine? Is this guy dating this white girl because he just really loves him some vanilla? Or are some of you black women making it extra hard to be with y'all? Isolate the issue, figure it out, and then hold him down. And that's it.
You see a black entrepreneur coming into scrutiny. You see someone trying to build themselves and they come under scrutiny by another group or another race or whatever. Have their back. Let them feel like you support them. Let them feel like you're actually there with them. Rival companies want to compete with them and offer the same product that they're selling but at a cheaper price. Don't just jump ship. Stand with them. Pay the extra money. Because you need to understand that if if I'm trying to sell some weave, right, and I can buy 100 pounds of weave, but this company that's already established, they can buy 100,000 pounds of weave, right? They can sell it for $10 a bundle. I can't do that because I'm going to cut into my profit margin. I'm not going to be making any money to further myself to spend more money on weave. I'm just going to be working to buy. So all the work that I put in, there's not going to be any capital coming out of it. So I have to sell it higher. I got to sell it for 30. It's $10 better than $30. Sure. But the weave that you're getting from them probably put together by a machine. Mine hand sewed. Sat there all night by myself, sewed it all up. Invest in me, invest in us, support me, stand by me. Yeah, you could get it cheaper, but is that all you want? Just cheaper? You don't want to see us grow? That's what we need. And the last point, the most important point of all, is to cultivate. Teach your brothers and sisters to be just as or even more successful than you. We need to end this closed fist mentality that we have where we, you know, I made it. So I'm going to do, I did it. I did it by myself. I didn't have any help. So you need to do it by yourself too. Stop being a hater because you had to struggle for your own self. So that means that I got to struggle too. Help me, build me up, show me the way. Don't just give me the money and everything that I need. No, show me what I need to do and then let me work at it. If people in this community have to go an hour to get to school, build a school in the community so I don't have to go an hour. I'm not spending my time commuting. I can spend my time studying. These kids can focus on life and their education rather than focusing on public transportation. Think about it. And the thing that gets me about it all the time is when you think back on your ancestors, they were born slaves. You weren't. So should your ancestors feel salty that you didn't have to pick cotton? You didn't have to serve Massa. You didn't have to go through the ordeals and stress that they had to. No, they paved the way for you to make it easier for you. So pave the way for the next person coming up. And you'll see that we can build something truly beautiful. And that's all I want to see.
Now, guys, I'm not saying that I have all the answers. Clearly not. I'm just one person. This needs to be a discussion. This needs to be a collective collaboration between all black people of all different shades, colors, walks of life, everywhere. We all need to come together and work together to build our stock, to build our brand and make it just as powerful as the rest of them. And the only way we can do that is if we work together. And as I said, love, trust, invest, support, cultivate. That's the only way that I see that we can truly build ourselves up to be the great kings and queens that we're destined to be. And that's all I got to say. And that's it, you guys. Thank you so much for joining me on episode five. I hope you were enlightened and empowered with the ideas that I presented and are on your way to your own form of greatness. If you'd like to support the show, you may do so on our Patreon page. Any help would be greatly appreciated because I'm poor and I need money. <laughs> if you'd like to follow us on social media, the show, Oxenities, is on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. While I am on Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat. Also, check out our website. It's Oxenities.com. I'm currently working on another blog post to upload, so stay tuned for that. And as always, take care of yourself and have a wonderful week. See you guys next time.